If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. The next time you use hold person, the target won't pitch a flying fit, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to how can we dull the intense frustration of savor suck spells? And what is a real-world parallel that we can mine to dress up hold person? And can supplemental mechanics give more flexibility and lessen the likelihood of a fellow player swearing rain-soaked oaths of vengeance? <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance Podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. And the point of this whole episode is Saver Suck sucks. <laughs> Real bad. That's the theme. That's the takeaway. You can stop listening now. Well, if you're... No, don't stop listening. That's <laughs> We're <done>. terrible. <laughs> you suck at this. Right. If you're new to this concept, Saver Suck refers to spells that kind of require just a single roll to determine whether a borderline superpower occurs or a completely wasted turn and you just kind of stand there looking like a tool. Right, your uh, wand farts and <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> nothing <laughs> An accomplished spellcaster does nothing on their turn. Yeah. There are so many different spells that do this. There's numerous save or suck spells in the book. But this one is particularly about hold person. And I think that there are some approaches that can be mirrored to other save or suck spells. So whether you're here for hold person or you just are frustrated with hold person because it's save or suck capacity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this is going to be fairly applicable for you. That being said, there is a good side of hold person. That's why we're doing an episode about it. Otherwise, we just throw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very cool, but this spell in particular, I call a wall denter because you end up adding a eight to nine sided <laughs> dent in sheetrock in your house. Yeah, that's fair, especially with your metal dice. Yeah. <laughs> it's very dangerous <laughs> to frustrate Travis. How do you keep your cool in these moments then if you're so good at it? I have to meditate a lot going into D&D &D sessions. <laughs> Just 20 minutes of a workout. Yeah. 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 Got to find your zen. With my all saver suck spellcaster. <laughs> God. Wouldn't that just be punishment? <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't know how many times I've wanted to ricochet that metal D20 off your thick dome when you hit me with these kinds of spells. Okay. A specific instance, not just generally. You don't just dream of it. <laughs> generally, yes. And also in this capacity. Yeah, that's fair. So it really does behoove us to help figure this out. Gotta save my skull on this one. And if you think that maybe we're being a little bit overly dramatic, this is how this spell usually goes down. So, caster, hold person. You fail the save, and now you're sitting there waiting this turn. What do you do? Well, I just stand there, I guess, uh, frustrated. I can't move? No. Can't speak? No. Can I do anything? No. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, I guess I'll wait for my turn to come around so I can make my save again. Yeah. Here we go. Four. Fuck me. God damn it. (laughs) You curse a blue streak, and then you stand there for a whole nother turn, unable to move. Nobody else can help you out of this. It's honestly worse than being unconscious, because at least after three failures, you're dead and you can think about something else. (laughs) You can start rolling a new character. (laughs) You don't just continue to fail indefinitely. And like this is how dice end up in dice jails. This is how they end up melted down on the hood of somebody's car because they're being punished Mm -hmm. for for failing a save the fifth time in a row. And now you sat out the entire combat. It's infuriating. Anyways, moving on. How can this problem (laughs) be fixed? Well, we can start by thinking about what kind of flavor to add to it. Because as a DM, when you got a lot to think about, or as a player, it's a really easy spell to just kind of rattle off, you know, a cast hold person. Okay, person's held. Cool. That's not very fun. I think potentially we could add some homebrew mechanics that maybe lessen some of these wounds. Maybe we can fix some of the mechanics within hold person. Yeah, just... Just a couple of gentle tweaks, not like rewriting the whole... We're just going to round the edges off. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get our asses into the kinship camp and figure out how we can avoid losing our damage deposits. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. All right, so we're going to do a quick, of course, spell recap. So hold person. It's a second level enchantment spell. It means you get it pretty early. And that it messes with the mind. It's got a casting time of one action, a range of 60 feet. Pretty good. It requires both verbal, somatic, and material components. And the material component is a straight piece of iron. A small one. Yes, of course. Small. Not like a massive <laughs> not, like not riding it into battle swinging around yeah <laughs> got it duration is concentration up to one minute so this could potentially take you out of combat for 10 turns which honestly is too much time to need anybody out of combat if your combat's going on after 10 turns that means this is a world shattering event and It means that one person didn't get to participate in it at all. (laughs) Yeah, this is the campaign ending big bad evil guy fight that you participated in none of. Because of course the lich has hold person and casts it on one of you and good luck surviving to the rest. And the lich's spell save DC to beat is like (laughs) 23 or something. I don't know. (laughs) That's basically your DM just flipping you the bird. (laughs) Yeah, you're done. Sit down. So as the spell reads, you can choose a humanoid that you can see within range. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be paralyzed for the duration. At the end of each of its turns, the target can make another wisdom saving throw. So on a success, the spell ends on the target. So taking a short pause right there at the end of each of its turns, which means Every time this comes around, you still don't get to take a turn. It's at the very end, which means if you get hit early in the turn order, like you're taking somebody out of the combat for at least the time that it takes to get in some good shots on you. So if you're a player and the DM's using this on you, say against a group of orcs, 
there's going to be a couple of orcs that get to just wail on you while you're paralyzed. That's why you don't run to the front. And we've complained a lot about the player side of this, but the DM side sucks too, because when you have that epic baddie that you're trying to have a moment with, and then somebody casts hold person and they just freeze your baddie, and then they wail on them. (laughs) Five people wail on the lich. Oh, as soon as the rogue gets in there, this person is doomed. Because the rogue gets to sneak attack them turn after turn after turn. My other kind of gripe with this spell is that it's like a condition nested inside a spell description. (laughs) So you gotta like flip it open and be like, okay, what does the spell do? Okay, now I have to look up the paralyzed condition. And it goes one layer deeper because the paralyzed condition starts with a paralyzed creature is incapacitated. (laughs) See the condition. (laughs) One level deeper. (laughs) This is worse than Inception. (laughs) And just so you know, an incapacitated creature can't take actions or reactions. And going back to paralyzed, they also can't move or speak. The creature automatically fails a strength and dexterity saving throws. Attack rolls made against the creature have advantage which is huge. Any attack that hits the creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within five feet of the creature. So this is just awful. Yes. To be surrounded (laughs) while held. And honestly, going back to that saver suck, whoever is paralyzed, this sucks for. (laughs) So it's, you know, it it works both ways. Nobody's having a good time with this goddamn spell. (laughs) Calm down. Yes, they are. Don't be a Grinch about it. We'll fix it. Well, one of the first things that really kind of comes to mind with this is the potential for flavor. Because, like we kind of mentioned at the very beginning, it's it feels like dead air, static, nothingness. Yeah. Uh, it's a void of action when you are held. And it just means that as a role player, as you're standing there, your character is just basically T-posing like an unloaded... Uh, you know, <laughs> animation. You're just standing there stagnant. Yeah. And so what if we added more flavor to really have fun with? Just to give you something while you're sucking to interact with at least so your turn isn't literally just a dice roll? Well, that's what I mean is that like your hero, your magnificent hero is just paused. Yeah. And that's devoid of any flavor. But... What if the hero was struggling the entire time against something? Like their muscles are twitching as they're just trying to break free. Yeah, at least there's a fury in their eyes and they're they're glaring at whoever did this to them. That's better than just a loading screen as they cycle <laughs> through outfits. <laughs> and I want to point out that it is an enchantment spell. And that means that it's one mind enchanting another mind in kind of D&D magic terms. And you could let that limit you if you want to, and if that's fun for you. But you could also just say, let's flavor this however the fuck we want, because this is a game of the imagination. So let's try that a little bit. Yeah, so how would you, let's say, flavor this if you were a bard? My first thought with bards is that they're all about sound. And so, you know, a bard could create a light and sound cannon that leaves the target stunned as their senses and brain are literally coming back online. Like they're, they're just kind of off kilter. Yeah, I, I dig that. I mean, I could also see them just simply using their charisma to beguile you. Like what if it was just, I mean, a 
wink and a blow a kiss towards that lich. And the lich is just so off-put that this little piss ant isn't afraid of him that he just stops for a moment and says, what the actual hell? What about a cleric? Well, what if a radiant light shines and pins you in place, causing you to hover off the ground as you're struggling against that? That's some like alien abduction shit right there, where they're just like <laughs> shaking in place and they can't move yeah. because of their holy beam. How about a druid? Well, I mean, straight off the hop, you've got druids, you got vines, the vines shoot out of the ground, wrap around you, and ugh, go like down your throat a little bit. Oh. So it's just stopping you from moving <laughs> Fair and enough. speaking. I guess you can't speak, so you gotta do that. Yeah, you but gotta yeah. cover the mouth somehow. They're definitely coming from all angles and like just keeping you taut. Yeah. Upright. Well, don't forget with druids, you've also got some uh poison and acid capability there Ooh, like spores or something yeah yeah i like that just like blowing a cloud of spores and they just go inside somebody and tense up your muscles make you choke oh oh that's bad <laughs> i like it how about the sorcerer well when we were actually talking about this with some of our discord folks if you recall no ma'am suggested you know just the sorcerer Sorcerer Supreme, <laughs> Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. It is that like palm thrust to your chest, knocking your uh, your soul right out of your body. So you still like again, you're not taken out of combat. Your ethereal presence is still looking at the battlefield, but you just don't have control over your body. That's pretty cool because then your yeah, your soul is literally struggling to get back into your body. What about, uh, well, I mean, Warlock is immediately applicable. Well, for sure. Warlock automatically has that flavor of inky tentacles reaching out from the dark places of the universe where we dare not touch. <laughs> yeah, just like a black void opens up behind the target. Yeah, and something like the art structure from Beetlejuice pops out, <laughs> holds you in place. And the wizard I mean, I think a, like a transmutation wizard or someone like that could immediately just turn your flesh into metal or stone, freezing you in place. You got to break through that crust. Yeah. And that's how you make your save. But yeah, there's just so many types of wizards that can do different things. An evocation wizard could give you a little ice hug, freezing you up real good. An abjuration wizard could create a crushing force field glove around your body start big and it just like saran wraps around you well i think the point being is that there are a million ways to flavor yeah this kind of spell so what does it look like so that players can at least react to that if they're going to be held in place for two turns at the very least they can be describing how they're trying to resist and you know they their blinking eyes can be seen through the crust that that wizard put them in. And now they're trying to break free. And all of this very much leans into creating that feel of them being a hero. Because it doesn't feel very heroic when you get held person. Unless there's something like this that is a struggle between you and the spellcaster. Whether it's just the basic flavor of a mental battle, that's still pretty cool. Where both of you are sweating and making eye contact. But any of these just ramps it up and gives you stuff to tear at or fight against or claw towards 
So when Jordan and I were talking about this, though, one thing came up that we did a little bit of a dive on, <laughs> some cursory research into. Can't make an episode unless we find a weird dive. That's our rule. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really kind of a hard and fast rule. So what this definitely leaned it towards for the two of us is sleep paralysis. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what sleep paralysis is, count yourself lucky. Yeah. It's a pretty dipshit move on your brain's part when you're falling asleep and your brain says, hey, I'm asleep, I'm an REM state, and I'm just going to wake your consciousness up so that your body function does not work while your consciousness comes back online. Your motor functions. Yes. Right. Yeah. So this is like an evolutionary thing that we've developed in our brains that when we go into REM sleep, that's dream time. But in order to not start flailing when we think we were flying and start slapping our partner in the face, <laughs> our brain shuts down all of our motor function. So when you come back online, when for some reason your brain just says, yeah, you're going to open your eyes now, you're going to be able to perceive the world around you, but you're not going to be able to move. Well, naturally, you start breathing kind of in a panic state because none of your goddamn limbs are working. Yeah. And now it feels like your chest is being restricted because you're in a low power state and you're just taking these tiny little breaths. Because you're not in control of your lungs consciously yet, is what you're saying. So then what happens is your brain in its terrified state, starts perceiving threats. And with this, and this kind of REM state where your brain is highly susceptible to all kinds of suggestions from your subconscious, starts to imagine threats there. And so hallucination is a very common occurrence within sleep paralysis. <laughs> That's the biggest dick move ever. Your brain's like, oh, I don't know what to do. Here's something to scare you. No, don't do that. <laughs> do the opposite of that. <laughs> Can you get me out of this situation, not deeper in? Yeah. Right. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's go weird. Oh, man, that's awful. So what happens is typically this manifests as a creature standing on your chest or kneeling on your chest or... Another common side effect is seeing the shadow man. Oh. Yeah, a faceless dark being in the corner of your room. That's literally a D&D &D monster. Right? <laughs> then you're just telling me that folks just see it regularly. Yes. Oh. So many folks that it's been estimated between 8 and 50% of people have experienced sleep paralysis, which is a really wide margin. I feel like we need yeah. to study this a little bit more, <laughs> maybe get that margin a little tighter. That being said, about 5% of those people have regular recurring oh. episodes. Another one of these night terrors that I can't escape that control my mind and body in ways that I don't. <laughs> Approve is of. this common for you? Are you worried? I'm worried about this ever happening to me. I'm lucky enough to not be in that 8 to 50%, but... It just so happens that my partner is... When I asked her, like, hey, 
have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? She said, yes. And then followed that up with, it was the most terrifying experience of her entire life. Luckily, she doesn't quite remember what she was hallucinating at the time. Brain blocked it out. Yeah. Great. Thanks, brain. Doing something useful for once. Some scientists have even proposed that sleep paralysis is an explanation of reports of the paranormal and spiritual phenomena such as ghosts, alien visits, demons, demonic possession, and even alien abduction experiences. But what's really neat, it even calls back to some of the inspiration for D&D monsters like the Night Hag. Yikes. Yeah, that's pretty wild that like this is... Kind of the origin of so much folklore like that? Well, in the United States, you've got sleep paralysis being interpreted as space alien abductions. Right. Is, you know, pretty common. Yeah, so I can I can see it being a cultural thing because your subconscious kind of just pulls on whatever your conscious mind has absorbed, right? Right. And so all over the world, there's different interpretations that have spawned different D&D monsters yeah. and all kinds of different folklore. Going back to that partner from Newfoundland, when I was talking about sleep paralysis with her, she immediately knew what I was talking about when I said the old hag, because that's exactly <laughs> what they say sleep paralysis is in Newfoundland. So much so that victims of sleep paralysis are called victims of a hagging Woo. And they're said to be hag-ridden. Yikes. I, I, that is something I do not want. And in true Newfie fashion, they've come up with the most Newfoundland of solutions, which is to sleep with a hag board, which is a shingle <laughs> or a board embedded with nails strapped to your chest. <laughs> Make this an uncomfortable seat. Yeah. You'll never get to REM state with these nails digging into your flesh. I, you know, I bet other cultures have fixes too. So I think just to prepare myself for this ever happening, I'm going to look up all the solutions. <laughs> My bed is going to be a torture chamber for any sleep paralysis demons that want to haunt me. Well, then I'm going to need you to go out and fetch a bag of beans. Oh, okay. Because in Italy, sometimes this manifests as a ghost-like spirit or a terrifying cat-like creature that mounts on your chest and tries to harm you. The only way to avoid this creature is to keep a bag of sand or beans close to your bed so that the night hag witch cat-like lady will stop to count the beans. Ooh. <laughs> Just a <laughs> an addiction to math, I guess. <laughs> like, I love adding things. Oh, thank God that witch stopped to count those beans. <laughs> now I can sleep. She was there all night until the morning. And I like, I like the idea of you just going back to bed once. Okay, she's occupied. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll get some shut eye now. <laughs> and then again in Egypt... Sleep paralysis is conceptualized as a terrifying jinn attack, and the jinn may even kill its victims. Yikes. So a lot of this ended up in D&D in yeah. some way, shape, or form, which is pretty wild. Yeah, it sounds like about half the monster manual is sleep paralysis demons. You know, it could be cool to give it a magic item that lets you cast hold person but it's really just the one creature that it summons and the, it's only visible to the target. Like you don't even know you're summoning a invisible Ooh. creature to your victim. Yeah. 
I like that. And I mean, really, I think we can go back and layer this on to some of the ideas that we've already kind of come up with. Because if you added the physical effects of what hold person were and then added some mental effects in there as well, now you've got some really messed up shit. Players are not going to necessarily know what the hell just hit them, just that they're not moving. There's some richness and lore that we can kind of get into. There's all kinds of fun things. So what if we circled back and just added on an entity that's kind of phantasmal, like nobody else in the party is going to be able to see this, only the person that's being held. It's kind of like a mix of reality and fantasy and yeah. illusion, all kinds of things like that. You could even layer this, you know, uh, hallucination onto the caster. They could see it as the caster. They could see it separately from the caster. Totally. That could be pretty cool. Like the bard could just have their muse, some wild figure of inspiration from either the culture or just like a, you know, an Adonis of a godlike being. Yeah, like... You could flavor this whatever your bard is, but even if you have like one of those jovial, happy-go-lucky bards, like you said, it's your muse. I could immediately see, you know, that famous painting of Aphrodite on the the open clamshell. Oh, She's yeah. just like rolling in. Imagine that <laughs> figure or something similar just saying, calm, do not fight. You know, just settling things down inside the enemy's head, and now you've got an orc that saw a big naked lady riding a shell. <laughs> it's just like I don't know what the hell that was, but she made me feel calm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to fight in this moment. Yeah, and then as soon as you break out of it, you're like, God damn it! I'm gonna smack that bard in his face. Bard goes uh, running away in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what's coming. Yeah. Well, you've got some really straightforward ones with a lot of these classes too. Like the cleric could just have whatever god they represent showing up and messing with things. Uh, the druid, I can easily see a spirit of the forest or the jungle or whatever environment they're a part of. I mean, both speak with a booming voice and say, do not fight. Yeah. If you've got a sorcerer, it's just pure cosmic energy coming together to hold you still. Yeah. I'm thinking like, what was the watchman when the blue feller from space or whatever <laughs> came together you, you need to rewatch that film <laughs> so you can accurately yeah the just the blue feller but the scene is yes. the important part where he comes together from energy and he's dr manhattan yeah, yeah, comes yeah, together yeah, yeah. from space energy from spilling his um <laughs> science beans or whatever yeah exactly god damn it <laughs> i i mean again warlock Cthulhu rises from the waves. Or whatever your warlock patron is. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Cthulhu. Cthulhu <laughs> would be a wild twist for someone that's a <laughs> celestial warlock or something. True enough. And for the wizard, minions. Just have minions show up. Whatever your flavor. Celestials of fiends. Them. Yeah. Tiny ones. Yeah. They're all holding you back. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just like bursting out of the ground, worming their way up, and just creeping the whole scene. Hell yes, I dig it. So, again, the reason why we kind of love this idea is that when players are casting it, as a player, you get to dream up what that looks like. If you're a player being casted on, you know, at least as a player, you're not just standing there 
feeling frustrated, you could be talking to this thing. There could be a side conversation that's happening where you can uh, dump lore as a DM. You could be doing all kinds of things within that conversation of, you know, this conversation between the Lich's uh, patron. Yeah, it could certainly enlighten the player at least a little bit more on what they're fighting, which is always a challenging thing as the DM in those fights is to have any kind of a conversation while the blasting's happening. Give a, a lore dump that you've been unable to give to the players and give a premonition of a dark future or what's going to happen next in their campaign yeah. so that at least you can guide things along a little bit. And speaking of that story side, I feel like this could be any kind of a story hook that you want it to be almost. Like whatever you and that player want it to be, whether the player has conjured something evil and they're not even aware of it. Maybe it's a barely contained malevolent entity and that's going to manifest in some interesting ways. Hell yeah. Or it's a being from the PC's past that is coming to aid them and they're finding out about it when they first unlock this spell down whatever path they're going. Because players' whole families are always dead. Yeah. So this is their <laughs> their mother coming back to save them from beyond the grave. Yeah. But this vein is rich. Like, whatever your story is, you can probably assist it with this entity. Yes. I think we banged this drum plenty. I'm sure you get the idea. But now what we need to do is maybe take, like we said, round the edges off on hold person. Just claw it back a little bit. So there's still something to be done within the confines of hold person. So we got a couple of ideas. So maybe these can be used in your game or they'll at least spark something that works for what you're doing. I often like to translate things like this into a death save mechanic. So like with death saves, when you get three failures, something bad happens. When you get three successes, something good happens. And at least it feels like you're making some progress rather than just A or B. You're in or you're out. I think the start of the spell, you could mark off one failure. And then, you know, if you succeed on your next one, you get out of it. But if you keep failing, you keep getting worse effects of the spell. Got it. So rather than make it save or suck, basically every failed save, you're losing mobility. You're losing more abilities as you continue to fail. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it feels right to you, maybe, you know, half speed and you lose your ability to take actions at first. But there's a lot you can tweak and play with in that space. Well, what I really like about that is you could actually choose the order. If you're casting it on the Barbarian and you're worried about the Barbarian trying to close that gap towards your big bad evil guy, well, it affects their uh, legs first. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to use their, their movement anymore. Versus, say they cast it on a wizard, it's like, we're going to shut down all mouth functions on this guy first. Yeah, so it almost feels like the caster is intentionally making these choices. And obviously the spell is very powerful, so you don't want to necessarily take away that power, but it's more selective. And again, it feels like it's getting worse or better, which is so much more interesting to me. And at least it still gives the player something to do. Like, for instance, in that case where it's being cast on the wizard, the wizard's no longer able to use any verbal component spells. 
maybe they're going to start flipping through to see if there's any of their spells that don't require a verbal component. Yeah. But at the very least, they can use their legs and their arms to get their ass to a safe spot and wait out the rest of the whole person or something like that. There's more tactical uh, ideas that can come from this and they can even run away from enemies if they need to. Or maybe if we're lucky, they'll do something like the ever elusive help action. <laughs> help someone else do something. Amazing. Imagine. Wouldn't that be neat? The next idea is basically rolling one effect. So it's a kind of an iteration off of that last one, which is if you want to do it all at once, you don't want it to have this cumulative effect over a few turns. Instead, it's all at once. So you could say, if the target fails their check by more than five, they are fully frozen. Super hold person. <laughs> if they only fail by three, maybe they can't move or speak. Right. And then if they only fail by one and it was a very, very close margin, now they just can't use their movement or well, something to that effect. Yeah. That lich just has a little bit of a hold on them. Yeah. And here's one that might encourage roleplay if you've got the right group for it. Fighting for advantage. So, you know, you want someone to be describing their inner struggle or how they're fighting against it. To do that, you got to reward them. And I think the best way to do that is to give them advantage on their next role. If they can answer the question, what memory or event or are you drawing on to get yourself to move? Ooh. So you're like trying to tease out of the player a story of personal triumph in your past. Yeah, or like whatever's motivating them, whether it is that that moment of personal triumph, or maybe they just described their previous interactions with this villain or how much they hate this enemy for doing this for whatever reason. But they're going to actually have to think about their character, do a little role playing, and then they get advantage on their next save. I dig it. I'll take any excuse for my character to seethe with more rage. Hell yeah. And I'll take any excuse to get advantage on a check if the DM will allow it. Like, yeah, please. True enough. The final bit here that we really want to touch on is when players fail. It's going to take the edge off if we can describe failing in a more organic and dynamic way. Like we said in our episode about critical failure, your players are usually trying to be heroes and few spells can rob them of that feeling like this one can. Where they know that their fellow characters are suffering. They're in the midst of battle. They need help. And you as the party barbarian are just standing there useless. A puppet. And this sucks. This is where a lot of that rage and that frustration <laughs> and the dents in the walls really do come from. Of just being ineffective you're supposed to be a grandiose hero that's traipsing all over continents slaying dragons but for some reason you can't move in this moment and you feel well for lack of a better term impotent and so we've talked a lot about you know making your players feel like they're struggling and feeling like they're having an effect on whatever's holding them back but make sure you role play that as the caster too because it's a concentration spell, so it actually requires some mental focus at least. So to play it as that epic battle is going to be so much more compelling. That battle of wills 
as the lich holds out their disgusting clawed hand towards the barbarian and the barbarian is locking eyes with them yeah and now they're staring them down and the barbarian is spitting and drooling as they're trying to push through this battle of wills to make their limbs move again which is why they weren't able to fend off the rogue's backstab it had the lich had to stand there and they saw the rogue coming but they were staggering trying to get to a safer place which they couldn't do because they were locked in that mental combat with the barbarian because they know if they let that barbarian loose, things are going to get even worse for them. The barbarian's next turn comes around and they fail the save yet again. And now this is either going to drive the player nuts or we can describe it as you are fighting against Every single fiber in your body that is holding you in place. You are trying to regain control over your muscles and you're managing to move and your hand starts to move and you can feel your body reacting to your commands yet again. Oh my God. But then the big bad evil guy, the lich turns to you and tightens their fist and glares at you and you're stuck in place yet again. That's going to feel a lot better than, nope, next. The Lich isn't even paying attention to you. Yeah, you're just (laughs) stuck there. You're just ineffective, stupid. You might as well just pack up your dice and go home. You're a piece of meat. (laughs) Nobody cares. That sucks. Yeah. So you can describe failure with some pizzazz instead of just, it's a fail. And you know, even if you don't want to adopt any of those mechanics... Allowing even a, just a bonus action for one of those really close saves can give at least a minor sense of a win because there's nothing worse than sitting through this for three rounds and then rolling a 15 when you needed a 16. Like, give the little victories along the way. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm going to skip a full-on second segment about monsters because an idea popped up and it's relatively simple. So I'm just going to talk about it real quick. If you're running any kind of a creeping around hunting style horror monster, which we've talked about quite a bit with some of our monster episodes, slap this spell on them because it's actually pretty perfect for that. It helps to isolate prey, beefs up the terror of seeing a monster face to face when you're frozen and you need your allies help to get out of this situation. And of course, flavor it like we did in a way that suits the monster. I think that's going to add a lot to some adventures. So when you have that player that has memorized the entire monster manual, nothing is going to make their jaw hit the table faster than a roper hitting them with hold person. Before it sucks them up. That's going to be rough. They're going to not know what the hell is happening, and it's really going to throw them for a loop, and it's a really fun spell if you can throw on some of these other details. Well, we hope that was helpful. We hope you got some ideas for a hold person that's better than just standing there. I mean, I'll never think of going to bed differently. I'm going to wish upon my lucky stars that I never encounter the shadow man or the night hag or anything (laughs) else in the midst of my dreaming. Yeah. But speaking of haunting dreams, we're going to be haunting the dreams of our patrons tonight. Oh, fun. (laughs) So we'll see you there. Marley R. Gar the Pirate. 
Time Warp, Nico Y, Zach G, No Ma'am, Michelle T, Alan E, Felix R, Chris F, The Senate, Lucas D, Lila G, The GM Tim, Nevermore, Thomas W, Tyler G, Ty N, Heavy Arms, Eric R, Aldros, Leprechaun, and Will HP. Thank you very much to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us, as always, at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. You can join an awesome community of players and DMs by joining our Discord. You can find the invite for that on our website at hookandchance.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening, listening, and I'm off to find a bag of beans and a spiky board (laughs) so I can sleep soundly. Different than a teddy bear a little bit.